Good morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. This morning we're starting a new study. In fact, this is one that I think is going to be important for you to understand. Some of you might already understand these principles. We're going to take a week, I believe, and just uh, study this topic just a little bit. But it's really this concept of medical freedom. Now, of course, this really became a major, major deal uh, back in 2020. And uh, when it came with the COVID pandemic and everything like that that was happening, this was something that became a very, very big deal, When whether it was... Um, First of all, with uh, lockdowns and uh, the closing of churches, and then also um, the concept of masking uh, became a, a medical issue and one that um, needs a theological uh, answering. And then also, of course, the big one is is vaccines. That's the or or at least jabs. You know, it's it's fine if you want to go and say that the COVID vaccine is not a real vaccine. I would agree with you on that point um, with the mRNA stuff. Uh, but th that's probably going a little bit uh, further into it than what we need to at the moment. And so we're going to take a week and just kind of look at this and give uh, just a few quick principles. But it, it was during 2020 where uh, this really started becoming an issue and. Um, it was, it, it was an interesting, interesting, uh, I'll say journey, I'll say journey on this that God took me through, uh, with this because I've been speaking out, um, in politics quite a bit. And with this, because of that, uh, we had people come and ask us, first of all, very early on for a vaccine exemption specifically for foster care, which we were foster uh, parents at the time as well. And so they asked for foster care uh, because of some of the stuff that foster care was coming out with. And so I, I was wrote a, a vaccine exemption, um, rooted it in, of course, theology, because I think that's important to go and to do, especially if you're getting a religious exemption uh, with that. And in rooting it in theology, uh, I really wanted to go deeper than a lot of the ones that I'd seen before, because mostly what I see for vaccine exemptions are essentially, um, well, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and so therefore I can't uh, do anything that would be against uh, my body that could potentially damage my body, and so this is bad, and I don't want to do that. And I, I, I think that the those can be okay exemptions. I don't mean to offend anybody if that's the type of exemption that you used or if that's your argumentation. Uh, it's not my goal to offend. There are people who I respect greatly who use that. But there's a, an obvious problem with that, and that is, okay, so you say that, and then you go eat a Big Mac at McDonald's. Yeah, I don't really believe you. And the uh, reality of it is is that the further we got into the COVID stuff, um, you actually saw workplaces going and making these arguments. And this is exactly what I thought, because that's logical. That's what I would say uh, in when approaching a problem, I always try to think through it from the other side. What would somebody else go and say? And the other type of exemption that I'd seen, vaccine exemptions, um, was, hey, uh, this uses aborted um, you know, fetal tissue. And uh, that's, you know, aborted baby parts, essentially. Here, this is made from a stem cell that was taken from an aborted baby from a murdered child. And I believe that's unethical. And 
I, I do believe that's unethical. But the problem is, is that you've got all kinds of stuff that uses um, aborted uh, fetal tissue in order to make uh, whatever product it would be. So one of the things that we try not to do is to try not to eat uh, or drink um, products that have used uh, a baby stem cells um, in the testing and creation of their sweeteners. So uh, Coffee Mate goes and does this and Pepsi goes and does this. So uh, if you ever go out to eat with me, you're probably going to find out that if I will ask them, do you have Pepsi or Coke? And if they say that they have uh, Pepsi products, I'll either ask for a Dr. Pepper because they probably still have a Dr. Pepper, which isn't a Pepsi product, uh, or I will just go and get a cup of coffee. Uh, because I try not to drink Pepsi products because of this, um, this exact thing and this exact problem. And so you go and you, you see this, there's, there's those arguments. So I'm, I'm right there with that argument, but the problem is, is once again, is that, Hey, if I can prove that you aren't willing to take a vaccine because it has aborted fetal tissues in it, but you're willing to drink a thing of Pepsi that doesn't have aborted fetal tissues in it, but it, it, the sweetener was tested with uh, baby stem cells um, in order to create it. And yes, they did fire the company. I understand that some of you Pepsi lovers are going to come in here and tell me all these things. I, I know I've done the research, but it's it's one of those things where you come out here and you look, what, what are they going to go and say? They're going to go and say, well, why don't you have a moral obligation to this, um, to, to be consistent in this? And that's what people started doing. That's what jobs started doing in the middle of this pandemic. And so I sought to make a better argument. And so I, I rooted it in theology and I brought some principles. And this was early in, in 2020 in the midst of this COVID stuff. And then 2021, it became very evident um, that this was going to be a major thing. In fact, in between these two times, um, we had a fight with DHS, beat DHS, and one was on medical freedom. The other one uh, was on corporal punishment in a, some policy that they were uh, putting out and um, ended up getting interviewed by um, the Des Moines Register and ended up getting picked up by uh, USA Today. Um, it had mine, Sarah's, and Thomas's picture right there on the front page of USA Today, not the front page, but the web page, front web page of USA Today. Had friends going and calling us saying, hey, well, look at this. Uh, you're, or you're on USA Today. And I had no idea. It was really a God thing, but God used that to get DHS to back down. Part of it was the medical freedom, like I said, and it became abundantly clear that this was going to be the direction in a big, big fight. And it certainly was a big fight. And uh, because of that, I, I started praying. And I remember specifically praying and praying and praying and praying that God would help me to make a vaccine e exemption, a religious exemption from vaccines here. Uh, and I'm going to read that to you, what came up with this. Uh, but this ended up getting sent out to tens of thousands of people across the United States, maybe more than that, but conservatively speaking, tens of thousands of people across the United States and had overwhelming success uh, in going and getting e exemptions, whether it was police officers in New York City, uh, whether it was um, uh, people, I mean, there, there are people, I, I should have counted the states. It, it might've gone out to, uh, at least the 48 lower states. And I had several people in Canada that I was talking to, um, about this too, that they were trying to go and to use it. 
uh, and adapt it in order to fit Canadian laws. I I don't know Canadian laws. I'll, I'll be honest there. So I told them, I was like, hey, I don't know if this fits or not, but this is what I have. So please use it for anything that you can that will help you out. It, but but this was bathed in prayer. I remember that night coming home at about two in the morning, but it was it, it was going and just praying and praying and praying over this. And little did I know God was going to use this in an incredible way. But I want to read this to you so that you can have a foundation for a lot of what we're going to be going over in this week um, about this. And then I have some scripture that I want to read after it because we're going to talk about uh, the four great governments. Uh, in that, and it's so invi- it's so vital to understand the four great governments that God created. But let's read this exemption here. It says, "To whom it may concern, it is and has been the orthodox position of Christians to recognize that God created four great governments: civil, ecclesiastical, family, and self. We recognize that these governments all have a limited scope." We believe that each of these governments should be obeyed to the fullest extent when they're within the designated scope and that Christians should be exemplary in their behavior concerning all four governments. We also believe that a Christian has no responsibility to obey any government outside of the scope that has been designated by God concerning vaccines. We sincerely believe and hold that vaccines are a matter of individual conscience, and it is outside the scope of civil government or any corporation to force any vaccine or injection upon an individual. We also recognize that some vaccines may be created with unethical means by exploiting the life of the preborn through the use of human diploid cells. For this reason, we declare that it would be a violation of conscience and religious liberty for any government official, agency, or corporation to require or force a vaccination without permitting an exemption for those whose conscience is hindered in any way by the vaccine or injection, including the COVID-19 vaccine, in any of its forms. Know also that, insert your name, embraces this conviction and should not get the COVID-19 vaccine in any of its forms. This letter is presented with the express purpose of granting an exemption on religious grounds for any vaccination or injection, including COVID-19 vaccine, in any of its forms. That might be required by any government official, agency, or corporation. Sincerely, Pastor Sam Jones. Now, this this letter, like I said, has gone out tens, tens of thousands, possibly more than that, across the United States uh, and, and saved thousands of thousands of jobs across the United States. And, and it has nothing to do with me because I, I will go and give credit where credit is due. And, and that is God. And God was specifically preparing me to write this leading up to the date in this. I mean, uh, what I the principles that are laid forth in this, you can find out a lot more about, and I would encourage you to go and to read these three books. The first one is The Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrate by, uh, by Pastor Matt Truella um, out of Mercy Seat Church uh, in uh, Wisconsin. And uh, you can find that in this next one resource that I'm going to say as well at defytyrants.com. But Pastor Matruella has done an incredible, an incredible uh, job at going and producing 
um, this doctrine specifically on these these four great governments and the doctrine of the lesser magistrate. And that's the, the name of the book, by the way. I don't know if I said that. The doctrine of the lesser magistrate. The second book, um, which you uh, can also find at defytyrants.com and is is published by Matt Truella, um, is called the Magdeburg Confession, which is actually a uh, German confession um, that was, uh, so it's a Lutheran confession, um, I, I believe is from um, the 1500s, if I'm remembering uh, right here, I think it's 1560. Um, and it really goes and it produces the doctrine of the lesser magistrate, says it in confessional format, but it's incredibly important to go to read. The third book um, that I would encourage you to read is A Storm, A Message, and A Bottle, which really goes and in, in dives into the proper role of civil government and being over civil government and, and getting into that. And that's by Pastor Kerry Gordon, my pastor. Uh, and I would encourage you to get that. That's once again, A Storm, A Message, a bottle uh, by Pastor Kerry Gordon, and it, it is an incredible, incredible book. But God had placed these two men in my life, and and others as well. Men like uh, Doctor Mike Spalding, um, <clears throat> and in there, there's even more than that too. Uh, Pastor Ken Peters, um, and uh, I, I could go on and on about the people that God placed in my life. But to really go and to forge these ideas, and really this letter is a culmination of all of these ideas, and to um, you, you know to 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 just all uh, honesty and humility to go and to say this: these are not original ideas with me; these are orthodox. Christian positions that they were instilled in me by these great men. And of course, they had these ideas instilled in them, these doctrines instilled in them by great men who came before them. They're not going to go out and say, oh yeah, this was my idea, because it, it wasn't. These come straight from the Bible, and, and you can go and find these preachings uh, in Polycraticus. Um, in, uh, you can go and see this in John Knox. You can go and see these. these. In fact, I've got all kinds of quotes uh, that we'll probably get into here in this. And here I've been going for 15 minutes already, and we haven't even gotten into Scripture, so I better get into Scripture because that's uh, really the goal is to connect ourselves with Scripture with this. But I, I really want to point out these four great governments and, and just bring a couple of principles into your mind. These four great governments, I want to say them at once again. It's self-government. This is the concept of self-control. God goes and tells you uh, that you should have self-control. We, we see this, first of all, in Genesis chapter 4, um, explicitly stated when God goes and he talks to Cain after Cain, or just before Cain kills Abel, but after God goes and doesn't accept Cain's offering, he goes and he tells Cain, he says, sin is at your door, its desire is for you and to rule over you, but you should rule over it. That is an explicit statement of a doctrine of self-government. You should rule yourself. You should rule the sin that's coming for you in your life. The second one is family government, and I'll just read Ephesians 5, 22 through 33. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives." just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her 
with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or in any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are his, are members of his body, of his flesh, of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects the husband. Then we could go into Ephesians 6 and see that it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. We go and we see the family government, that you have a marriage, and in that marriage, you have a husband who is supposed to lead, a wife who is supposed to follow. And in this family unit, you have a husband and a wife, a mother and a father that are to be over the children there, and the children are to go and to submit, just as the wife is to go and to submit to the husband. We go and we see this government structure right here. It's the family government. The third government is the ecclesiastical government. And uh, just to uh, save a lot of time, there's a lot of places we could go, but I'm just going to go to Hebrews chapter 13 and read verse 7, and then also verse 17. And it says this, Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Then, of course, the fourth government, and I'm going to save the scripture reading on this for later on uh, this week, but we could go to Romans chapter 13, and this is civil government. Everybody kind of understands that there's a civil government there, but of course, in Romans 13, it tells us to submit to our civil rulers. Now, there's something that you need to understand, a few things you need to understand about these four governments. One is that they're all limited in scope. They're all limited in scope. So you go and you look at the family government. As a family unit, as a, a father and a mother, as parents, you have the jurisdiction, the right, the legal right, to go and to set the rules of your house, including, I'm just going to use a kind of a, a silly one, right? Bedtime. You have the rules, the, the jurisdiction to go and to set a bedtime. Your pastor does not have the right to come in and say, bedtime in your house shall be 7.55. He doesn't have the right to do that. That is your job. Now, if you have an unreasonable one, your pastor might come and tell you, hey, that's a really dumb time. Why are you letting your three-year-old stay up till one in the morning every night drinking Mountain Dew? That is dumb. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. And if you're doing that, I do rebuke you in Jesus' name. And, and, and that is proper to do because you are clearly abusing your power in that sense, and the pastor has the right to go and to confront you if you're abusing that power. But it's limited in scope. But the same is true then also in self-government. That's obvious. You can't go and impose self-government on somebody else. And then also in civil government. Now, I used this example with somebody, sat down and had a conversation with several people actually, uh, they had asked, because I was teaching on this, and they, they'd asked uh, for me to go out for lunch. And it was actually several ladies, 
and uh, me and Sarah went out to, to, to lunch or maybe it was breakfast with him. I don't remember. Um, but as we're sitting there having this conversation, I thought, you know, I'm going to give this example. I'm probably going to be just rejected immediately for this example because it's, it's, high, it, it's hyperbolous. It really is. It's, um, it's, it's hyperbole. And uh, yes, I, I said hyperbole just for fun there. That's, that's hyperbole. Um, but I, I, I came out and I said to them, if the government, the civil government, were to go and to say that your children had to be in bed by two in the afternoon, would you have the right or, or would you have the the right to resist? Or do you believe that the Bible is telling you that you would have to obey because of Romans 13? And they said, uh, we believe that you'd have to obey. Now, I didn't know really where to go with this conversation other than to look at them like they just gained a third eye on their forehead because that's absolutely ridiculous. The government doesn't have jurisdiction to do that. It's limited in its scope. It has no right. The government, the civil government has no right to tell you when to put your children to bed. In the same sense, the civil government has no right as to tell you what medical procedure um, you should get, and that would include a vaccine. That's, that comes down under self-government. It doesn't have the right to go and to do that. Now, there are other ethical things that might come in that the civil government might have a responsibility to do. Like if somebody's using aborted field tissue, the civil government actually has the responsibility and the right, therefore, to go and to uh, impose physical or civil fines and punishments on those who are doing that because it's unethical, because it would be breaking God's law to go and to do that. But that's uh, we'll get into a little bit of that later. The next thing that I want you to understand here, because this is foundational to understand, not only that you have these four governments, that they have a scope. They can't go beyond these things. They can't go and dive into each other's, uh, the, each other's scope. But it's not just that. It's that all four of these governments have limitations in certain things that would qualify for legitimacy. See, many people quote Romans 13, and we're going to get into this when we get into Romans 13 a little bit more, and they'll say, look, it's it's unlimited. We're to, we're to go into obey the civil government unless they tell us you can't share the gospel. Because they tell you you can't share the gospel, well, we know that the apostles went and they shared the gospel, even when the government said so, and so we'd obey God rather than man there. Now, they might add in a few other things, like they can't tell you to go and to uh, force an abortion, so to say, yeah, you know, something like that. But you need to realize that in the exact same explicit way that it tells you to respect or submit to civil authorities in Romans 13 explicitly, it says that. It also says this in Colossians 3.20, children obey your parents in all things for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. So what do you do if your child and the civil government says one thing and your parents say the other? Which one do you obey? They'll go and say, well, you obey civil government because civil governments are above parents. But no, 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 it says right here, children obey your parents in all things, all things. What happens if your parent goes and tells you to go and to take a gun and shoot somebody in the head and to murder them in their sleep? Should you obey them? Well, no. 
Why? Well, because that's wrong. Oh, so there are limits. And if you don't have the scope and understanding which, which government has what jurisdiction, you also become completely confused because there also is a explicit statement that you should obey your pastor in Hebrews 13 that we read. Wives, in submitting to your husbands. Now, this is an argument that was made in the Magdeburg Confession. What happens if a father and a husband goes and tells his wife and his daughters that they have to go prostitute themselves? What happens? Well, we would say that you resist that because that would be considered tyranny. Why? Because that would be an authority that would seem to be legitimate, stepping outside of his bounds and telling them to do something sinful. Because this is the next principle that you need to understand. All four of these governments have delegated authority. This authority comes from God. So any of these authorities that would come, any of these four governments, self, civil, ecclesiastical or church, and family, any of these four governments that would come out and say, we're going to go against one of God's laws, guess what? It makes them illegitimate because their authority is given to them by God. So if they're going against God, then the problem is, is that they don't actually have that authority. They have no authority to go against the things of God. None of them do. None of them do. This is foundational. I know we didn't get really far into this here this morning, even though I've been talking for 25 minutes. And that is, you need to understand these four governments. You need to understand that they're delegated authorities. You need to understand that all of these authorities have certain scopes. They can't go beyond. They can't go and cross over into these things. If you don't understand these principles, you're going to have a tough time understanding the rest of it, but we're, I'm still going to try. So hopefully you understand it. Hopefully this is helpful in building a foundation for medical freedom to understand that there are more than just civil government. Civil government isn't above the rest of the governments. It has its own scope. If any of these governments would be above the rest of them, it would be ecclesiastical. We see prophets all the time confronting kings. We see that happening. <laughs> And so we go and we look at this. This is important to go and to understand that these four governments exist, they're limited in scope, and that they are delegated authorities from God. Well, thank you for listening today. And remember Joshua 1, 8, 9 as we depart. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. You may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous. Then you'll have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and have good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Oh, but even in darkness, we hold to the promise. There's nothing we can't overcome. So that war you've been fighting will end in God's timing. Sing like the battle.
already